Welcome to the podcast of the Sunday morning worship service of the Heartland Church of the Nazarene. We're a community of faith learning to love God and our neighbors as ourselves. Welcome home. Today's sermon text is from Colossians 2, 16 through uh, 3, 4. The passage will be on the screen for you, or if you like, please turn to Colossians in your Bible. Therefore, do not let anyone condemn you in matters of food and drink or of observing festivals, new moons, or Sabbaths. These are only a shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Do not let anyone disqualify you, insisting on self-abasement and worship of angels, dwelling on visions, puffed up without cause by a human way of thinking, and not holding fast to the head, from whom the whole body, nourished and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows with a growth that is from God. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the universe, why do you live, live as if you still belonged to the world? Why do you submit to regulations, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch? All these regulations refer to things that perish with use. They're simply human commands and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-imposed piety, humility, and severe treatment of the body. But they are of no value in checking self-indulgence. So if you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, uh, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. That's the uh, word of the Lord for us today. Thank you, Sam. Um, yeah, I don't know why she asked Sam for gumballs, because they're my gumballs anyway. <laughs> but yeah, anybody who wants a gumball after service can come to my office. Uh, you'll need to bring your own change. Uh, just kidding. Uh, well, we've been, we've been looking through uh, the book of Colossians, and uh, Paul is writing a letter to his friends in the city, and, and we don't know if he's actually ever got there, um, but he's writing to them to offer them encouragement, uh, encouragement and support in the midst of what, uh, what may be um, trying times for them, or not. Uh, there's a group of folks, though, that are there, and uh, they begin to the teaching things that have distracted the Colossians from truly living uh, in the way that Paul understands that they should, the way that Christ is calling us to. Um, and he's begun to make an argument about, well, the supremacy of Christ, right? That's in the, that's the, the subtitle of this whole thing, that that Christ is, is the one in whom, through whom the world was created. That everything that is and was and will be was created by Jesus Christ. And that, that Christ not only creates that, but he holds it together. Keeps it from all descending into, into chaos. Yeah. When, when things go, we just fall apart. Uh, so if our world continues to spin, if we continue to be able to breathe and to eat and to drink water and all those things... Uh, and, and have families, it is because Christ is holding the world together uh, for us. Because he loves this good creation, and he loves us. Uh, and he's working for our, our, our salvation and restoration. Um, he says, though, that uh, through Jesus Christ, though, that we have been united with him. 
the, the, the supremeness of Christ, we are, we are intimately united with that in our baptism. Uh, that we, in a way, and, and this is all metaphor, right? But it's, uh, it's what it is, that we die with Christ in his crucifixion. And we rise with Christ in a new life. Uh, and that we, we enact that in bodily form whenever we, we get baptized. And so whenever we watch somebody get baptized, like we did a couple of weeks ago, uh, we, we look and we remember what it is that Christ is, is doing, has done in us, and continues to do. Um, but Paul wants them to continue to do these things. And uh, he's saying like, uh, well, actually, we ended last week, and Paul was like, Christ is, has won and is in the process of winning. Uh, that the principalities and powers, the, the forces of sin and death in this world have been defeated. Uh, of course, experience teaches us, though, that there's still sin and death and destruction in this world. Um, Christ begins that movement of defeated, and, and Christ will come again at the end to make and restore all things to rightness, to goodness. It's one of the reasons that... Uh, I don't, we don't talk just about your personal salvation. Uh, that, that Christ's salvation is a work that is happening for us as people, yes, but it is working in the world to redeem it. Because our thoughts and our patterns and the ways of being in the world don't look anything like Christ. Uh, the way our politics operate does not look like Christ. The way uh, most of our businesses, not all of them, operate, it doesn't look like Christ. Sometimes our schools don't look like Christ. Uh, but Christ is coming in wanting to, to remake and to restore those things. Uh, to make them back into the goodness, uh, the good creation that they were in the beginning. Uh, to redeem and to restore. Well, um, he's, he's making this case that we are united with Christ in our baptism. And really that's, that's where we, we pick up today. So, um, I know I've said this before, but it, it, it bears repeating. Anytime you see a therefore in scripture, you need to go back and, and figure out what it's there for. Like it's, uh, it, is a, it is a connection between, maybe that'll keep the mic cord from going crazy or keep me from fiddling with it anyway. Uh, so there, there's a connection between what's going before because uh, verses and chapters, all of that came uh, later. Paul, Paul didn't, sit down and write, okay, now I will start a new verse, 16. Um, but so we get these connecting words that connect what's come before. And he's saying, since you have been united with Christ, since you have, are in the process of, of being restored and redeemed, do not let anyone condemn you in matters of food and drink or observing festivals, new moons or Sabbaths. They are only a shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Now, there is a, there's a lot of background here that I won't necessarily bore you with. Uh, but, you know, like today, there's a lot of religious movements within uh, Paul's world. And there were lots of these mystery religions that, that, uh, that wanted you, uh, well, they thought like the material world was bad. And that your, your, your body was bad. But your soul was good. And so you had to do all of these things to like gain certain knowledge so that you could raise to a, a level of spiritual enlightenment uh, where, where you would ultimately find salvation. And, and so they, they enacted uh, lots of things, fasting and 
different uh, rituals and festivals, uh, and even uh, beating their body uh, for the sake of the discipline of their soul. And so these people have, have come, and they've taken what they believe about their little religion, and they've tried to marry it with Christianity. And uh, Paul is, is saying, no, all that, that other stuff, that's not, that's not helpful. Uh, because like, you have Christ. You have been united with Christ. You don't need to do all of these other things. Now, we'll, we'll talk about some of that in just a little bit. You don't need to do all of these other things so that you can be, well, that you can find salvation. Because Christ has come, and he has brought and is bringing salvation and the restoration of the world. Um, we, we talked a little bit about this, uh, and I used the term in Bible study, super-Christians. Uh, it's almost like these people who were teaching uh, began to say, okay, you need to do these things so that you can be as good as me, right? An uh, uh, error of superiority, maybe, perhaps, uh, that says, I have, I have reached this higher level of knowledge and being, and, and in order for you to be as cool as me, then you have to do all of these other things. And uh, now, I, I, think, I think these guys maybe are motivated well, uh, like, I think, I think people who think that they've uh, ascended to a higher level of spirituality may, may just be interested in your well-being. Like, yeah, I've found this to be good. I want, you, I, want you to, uh, I want you to experience the same thing. But so often, it gets, well, it gets out of whack. And, and they begin to take on a, an air of arrogance. Uh, by the way, I... I think Christians do this. <laughs> that this isn't just a problem that maybe Paul and the Colossian church was, was doing this with. Uh, I think sometimes we become, well, in all the little things that we might put together that we do, be like, if, if you, well, actually, so I want to ask this question. Um, what type of things might Christians do now that are similar? What, what, what type of things, and I have a list, so I don't want you to answer necessarily, but what are the things that, that Christians sometimes say you have to do or you cannot do in order to truly be following Christ? A couple things. Uh, and and this, is, this, is just, this is partly coming from my own personal experience. Uh, Proper Bible reading. I'm, I'm going to use air quotes because they're in quotes in my notes. Like I think sometimes we, we say, no, Jesus isn't enough, but you have to read the Bible. Okay, I do want you to read your Bible. Don't, don't go home and say, I don't want you to read your Bible. But I, I've been in places where, where people have said, okay, if you don't read your Bible in this exact way, well, then you're not doing it right and you're going to burn. Uh, now, now, there are right ways to read the Bible, and we can talk about that, that later, but there's certainly, like, there's no right way to, to read and study the Bible that, that, that someone else can impose on you, right? I, I always felt, felt really, really bad, like, because I, I, I love the Bible. I've invested so much of my life in it, but 
and, and I read it, but I don't read it in like large chunks all at the same time. Or I, I found a, a way of reading the Bible that works for me that, that I find meaningful. Uh, and, and the way I study it is, is meaningful. But you may, hopefully, you are not like me, right? Like you're your own person. And I don't want to say this just because this is how I read the Bible. This is how you should read it. And if you don't, then you're wrong. I think, I think this is similar to what Paul is talking about. That we might say, hey, well, Paul might say, hey, that, that particular method of doing that, that's not helping you, really. Uh, the other thing is, is proper prayer. Um, I, I think uh, I don't really sit down and, like, pray because I'll fall asleep. Like, that's, and I used to get really, like, in college, uh, there was this little prayer chapel, and I don't know, I was college freshman, and I was a theology major, and so I was extra zealous for things like this, right? Uh, prayer and reading your Bible. And, and so I would go in, and I'd have my Bible there, and, and I'd, I'd read it, and then, uh, I know this sounds really weird, I would, I, it was, nobody ever came into this place, unless they were going to make out, and, and, <laughs> And that would have been at night. And I always did this during the day. So I, th- I felt fairly safe. There. So I would lay down because I'm, I'm, I'm lazy and I like to lay down. That's just, that's all there is to it. And I would, I would go through this thing, mental checklist that I have in prayer. And inevitably, inevitably, boom. 40 minutes later, I wake up, right? <laughs> like, oh, yes. And thank you for. Uh, so, I, so I don't do it like that. But I think sometimes we, we force, impose our understanding of what proper prayer looks like and say, say, if you don't do it this way, you aren't praying correctly. I think Paul would look at us and say, just like he says to the Colossians, no, I, 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 don't, think that's, I don't think that's helpful. I think you need to, to figure out right now who you are and how you, how you might do that. Now, there are some practices that are helpful and all that too. Proper worship, maybe, is the, is the next one. Uh, I'm, I'm relatively reserved. Um, ever since when I was a, a kid, even, like in kids' worship at camp, I didn't want to do motions. I still don't want to do motions. It was really, really hard for me on, on VBS Celebration Sunday where everybody was doing motions, and I would be like, I don't want to do these because I don't like it. And it doesn't help me worship, but people will think that I am not engaging and supportive of the children and, and their ministry. I do like to sing. I try to sing loud, although maybe not quite as loud. Uh, and because my voice isn't the greatest. I don't, I don't know if you know that. Ah, whatever. Um, but, but some people have... have have this grand vision of what worship is. It is either an organ and a hymnal and three-part harmony, which is, which is really great, by the way. I like harmony. Or, and maybe say, like, well, if you don't do it this way, then, well, you're not doing it right and we're not really worshiping. Or it's a giant band with fog and smoke <laughs> where, um, where everybody is is raising their hands and, and all those things. And I don't disparage either of those things, right? And that works for, for some people. Uh, 
But there's no proper way, I think, to do it in, in that sense. We, I think Paul would say, uh, if you were saying that this is the only way we could, someone could enter into corporate worship, uh, and if you're not, then that you're wrong and you're, you're going to burn. I think he would say, no, no, I don't, I don't think that's quite how that is. I, 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 uh, I'm a little cautious about mentioning this last one, though. Uh, proper politics? I'm going to take a drink. <laughs> you know me well, Bill. Um, I think, I think the church has said, if you don't vote this particular way, you are not a Christian. You're doing it wrong. Have you ever heard someone say, well, you can't belong to that party and still be a Christian. More often than I would like. I, I, had, a, I had a conversation with someone and uh, we were having lunch and it was before an election, uh, a big election, a presidential one. And the person said to me, I, I just think people don't know how to vote according to the Bible. And, and I don't know that, I'm going to get myself in trouble maybe. I don't know that the Bible tells us which party to vote for. I think the Bible tells us how to be like Jesus. And I think how we understand who Jesus is and what Jesus is calling us to do should determine how we end up voting. And that should give us a whole bunch of grace and charity towards those folks who don't Vote the same way. Uh, I think what Paul is saying here is you can't impose the way you do things on the way everybody else should do it. He's saying you are united with Christ. He is enough. You need to, to pray and figure out what that looks like in this particular time and place. It is contextual, my favorite word right now. It's understanding the time and the place and saying, what does it look like for me to follow Christ in this time and this place? What things are helpful as I seek to to love God and my neighbor? What things should I not do? And I think those things sometimes change. I think in, in America right now, we are in the midst of it's, and it's not new, but we are in the midst of a like, giant cataclysmic upheaval of a lot of things. Uh, I think the churches particularly, and, and maybe you, you don't see that, but I, I, I well, I'm a, you know, I'm a pastor, so I talk with other pastors a lot, and we see and we talk about you. Um, not really. Well, sometimes. Um, but but we, see, we see what's, what's happening, and and, and when things change, the church needs to change too. Like the church has to be able to say, I, I don't know that this is helpful anymore or, or this stance or whatever. Now, I'm not saying we're going to like totally rethink everything here. But I think the ways that church worked before aren't always the ways that they work now. Because there's a whole lot of people 
who have a lot of baggage from the way the church used to work. I think, though, and, and this is, and I've, I've been up front about my, my, my own Christian baggage before, uh, and even just today, I guess. Uh, but what I, I think I have a tendency to forget is that, uh, well, some people, some people really find certain things really helpful, and they want to cling on to that, and, and nobody likes change, and so there's a process of, of changing, I think we see this every every time, every generation, right? Um, well, I, I want to go back to the way things used to be in in church and in worship um, because I liked it and I found it meaningful. Uh, and you young folks can't come in here and change everything and play guitars and drums. And but I forget that there's there's like a a mourning process, right? Like that that. You may hunger and thirst for church expressed in a specific way. And it may be hard for you to find that now in churches. I don't know. I think, well, I, I think, well, we've got to let people mourn. But we've got to move forward, too. I don't know if this is making any kind of sense. In times of change, people cling to the things, to the way they found church and the faith meaningful before. And I think some of them get stuck in the anger phase. And it causes division. And it unnecessarily causes more hurt and more pain. I don't know if you feel this, but I, but I feel this. Uh, People clinging to, I don't know, certain things. I say all to say this, too. Paul, I think, would say, yeah, that, that might have worked once, but it's not working now. Let's discern how to do these things together. Which is something that, that I'm always saying as well, that, that we don't get to just choose what, what you know, willy-nilly what it is, but that we, we gather together and we have conversations, we have coffee and donuts and uh, go out to eat or to go po or whatever, and we sit down and we talk and we say, what does it mean for us to be the people of God here and now? What does it look like for us to love our neighbor? Uh, we're always asking that question. By the way, um, I can tell you things over and over and over again. It takes, you, it takes people a long time to learn something when someone else tells them to you. Like, right? like at least 13 times someone tells me. But if you can discover things on your own and make connections on something, you learn it much faster, which is why I always ask you questions because I want you to come to these conclusions by yourself. I mean, not by yourself, but together. It's, it's kind of the root of what I want us to do is to to ask what in the world's going on and how do we address it? How do we be the church here and now? Anyway, we do that all, all in context. And I've, I think I've gone way, way farther than I wanted to in that section. But we're going to jump ahead. Uh, so he goes on, he says, you know, you don't need these He's fasting and all these things. They have a place. Fasting and spiritual disciplines have a place. Um, 
but to, to a degree. And so he said, all that you, you don't need anymore. And he starts out chapter 3 with this. So if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated in the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you will be revealed with him in glory. So if we, if we can't focus on what's happening, well, here, and this is where this gets tricky because I don't think Paul's saying only spiritual things matter. It'd be contrary to his entire ministry. But I, but I think when it comes to determining what it is that the church looks like and what it is the church is for and what it is against and how it acts and practices, that it comes back to this. So, if you truly have been raised with Christ, think, th- think, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated, at the right hand of God. It means that our focus is always entirely on Jesus and how Jesus lived and how we might live like him. Because at the end of the day, Christianity is about us becoming what God created us to be in the first place, which is people who live and love and act like Jesus here and now. That is what we are to seek. And it's not something that's hidden, right? You know, like we play hide and seek, kids do, and, and it, it kind of means, you know, like, uh, go find a spot and hide. And, and God is not hiding from us, right? Uh, so that's, that's not part of this. But what I think... I think we have to look at, at seek in as in like pursue or strive for. It, it's, it's the same way that I might seek to have good health. Uh, I know what good health looks like. I know what it feels like. And I know what I need to do to get myself to that place. Now, there were things I could do before that helped me have good health that I can't do now, like bend over. Without pain, right? Uh, And there will be things that I can't do 15 years from now uh, that I can do now. Uh, But I know what I have to do. I know the discipline that I have to have in eating correctly and and exercising in in age-appropriate ways. Uh, And and I, I find health, not because it's hidden, but because I'm focused on it and the things I must do to attain it. This all comes down to us as the body of Christ, as the church. Focusing fully on what Christ does. And I think these are the ways. If we want to know how to be a church today, these are some of the things. And Paul will unpack this next week. Love. We've got to reorder and reorient the patterns of our thoughts. And one of those is love. And love is always looking for the good of the other. It's not love if you want to see them hurt. Sacrifice, because this is what Jesus does for us. Uh, that, that the new orientation of our mind should not be to maintain the status quo, but to give of ourselves for the sake of those who have not yet 
known Christ. Forgiveness, kindness, compassion, humility, and patience. I think we need to replace, like these are the things that help guide us in, in becoming the church that God is calling us to become. Of sharing the good news that we have been given with those who are around us. Notice that all of those words are like, they're not against things, right? (laughs) Love is not against things. Sacrifice is not against things. Forgiveness is always for someone else. Kindness is always outward going. Compassion is always outward focused. So is humility and patience. These are the things that we, well, this is, who Christ is. And these are the things that we need to focus on to become who it is that God wants us to become. I want us to, um, I want us to, to reflect this week on like where we are focusing on. I don't know if I've made sense today or not, but what are you, what are you focusing on when you think about the church? Are you focused on like the the needs it might be able to fulfill for you, or are you focused on learning to love like Christ loved, or loving to be compassionate in the same way Christ was compassionate or kind? If we are united with Christ, then we always have to ask ourselves that question. We need to do it every day in the new situations and new contexts so that God might lead us and guide us towards where we're going. If you have questions about any of that, I like coffee. Let's have it. One of the, uh, one of the things that we do, I think that helps focus us on Christ, um, is Lord's Supper, Right? It is a visible, tangible reminder of God's love, of God's sacrifice, of God's forgiveness, of God's kindness and compassion, his humility, and his patience. And my hope is uh, that as we come and receive this little bit of bread and juice, that it might be for us more than just that, but that might be a meal that helps us to remain focused on the one in whom we are rooted, in Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to our Sunday morning worship service. For more information about the Heartland Church of the Nazarene, please visit TakeItToTheHeart.com.